Well, good morning. If we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Amanda Hardiman, and I am honored to serve on staff here at First Methodist Mansfield. Uh, just like Pastor Sharon said, we are talking about the book of Jonah. Uh, we'll be here for three weeks uh, speaking on the book of Jonah. We're going to read through that book together. Uh, don't worry, it is not that long. Uh, in fact, we'll be reading through chapter one uh, today. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd love to uh, invite you to open that up to Jonah. <clears throat> If you do not have a Bible with you, uh, there should be one in the seat underneath, uh, in, underneath in front of you. Um, and if you want to take notes, uh, th- this is a great thing. Uh, if you want to underline in your Bible, you can. If you want to underline in the Bible in front of you, uh, I'm not going to check, and Shay's not here, so I'll be here for three weeks. Uh, so I, I think it's important. Jonah is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, Jonah is a prophet, and he's my spirit prophet uh, because he just does all the wrong things. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about that um, because I think we have a lot to learn. Uh, last time I was here, we talked about the armor of God. Uh, and it's funny that I am just like doing over and over again like, things that we learned in Sunday school when we are kids. Except Jonah's not like the Jonah that we learned in Sunday school. Uh, I listened to a podcast this week about Jonah and uh, the speaker was talking about how it's always Jonah and the whale, right? Uh, you'll learn this next week, but the whale only has two verses in the whole book of Jonah. And the whale gets this huge spotlight. Uh, but really, this book is really about Jonah and God. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Jonah and the sailors, and then this is just a fascinating thing for me. Uh, I've read over Jonah several times. I've spoken over uh, Jonah several times, uh, and so I'm ready just to uh, literally dive in, pun intended, uh, to this book with you uh, today. So we're going to start with Jonah 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. Uh, read uh, uh, these words with me, not out loud, but just together. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of An- Amorat. Emirati, sorry, go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. We're going to stop there just for a second and really look at those verses. What I love about this is, man, I wish we would have really heard the full conversation uh, between Jonah and God. Maybe this was the full conversation. Jonah, this is what I need you to do. And Jonah immediately nodded and then went the other way, right? What was that conversation? What is, did he argue back with God? Like, no, I don't want to. Like, did he say anything else with that? We don't know. I'm reading these scriptures, but we do know that, uh, that Nineveh was a, a bad place. It was going in a bad direction. Uh, and that Jonah was called to go preach against it, to preach against the wickedness that is there. And Jonah did not want to do that. This wasn't just a, like an easy checklist uh, task for Jonah to do. This was hard. And this was going to be very, very difficult for him to do just in the condition that Nineveh was in and the condition that Jonah's heart was in. This is a task that he did not want to do. The things that we need to gather from these four verses already is that the Lord came to Jonah. The Lord specifically chose Jonah to go there, knowing Jonah's heart, knowing the condition of Nineveh. The Lord chose Jonah. The Lord chose Jonah. And the mission was clear from the Lord. Go there, do this. I think a lot of times we feel bad for Jonah, and we should, but uh, we feel bad for Jonah because we're like, man, maybe he didn't really understand. There's times in our lives when we were like, maybe we didn't hear
hear the Lord, right? Now, this was like the Lord's voice specifically to Jonah, a clear, clear message. And so what did Jonah do? Jonah made a decision. And we're going to learn in this chapter that Jonah makes a series of clear decisions to go against what the Lord has called Jonah to do. Jonah ran away. Jonah made a decision and went the opposite direction. There was rebellion in what Jonah chose to do. Let's look at verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and that we, that we will not perish. Again, love this. And the, the three, first three words in, in verse four says it all. Then the Lord, then the Lord. The Lord could have easily been like, Go. Go to Joppa. Do what you need to do. Go in the opposite direction. But the Lord followed Jonah. Not in any other way, but a huge, great wind. Then the Lord sent a great wind to the sea. Then the Lord came to Jonah. He did not let Jonah go the opposite direction. The Lord pursued Jonah and used this situation to pursue the sailors as well. Think about this. They all threw off all the cargo that they could to make the ship lighter. That was their go-to. The the job that they had was to go from point A to point B and bring all these items on the ship from point A to point B. And they, they chose immediately to discard all that stuff to make the ship lighter so that it could go. Jonah, meanwhile, went to the deepest part of the ship. He didn't just board a ship to go the opposite direction. He went to the deepest part, the furthest corner, the darkest area to run away from God. But then the Lord brought that wind, brought that wind. Jonah wanted to be out of sight and out of mind and complete avoidance of what the Lord wanted Jonah to do. And the sailors all prayed to their gods because they didn't believe in the Lord. They prayed to their gods trying to see if anything will change. And they said, how about you? How can you sleep? You call on your God. I don't get how Jonah could sleep given the physical conditions, but also just given his heart and the things that he was doing, he went into a deep sleep. Think about that for a minute. Let's look at verse seven. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Everything pointed back to Jonah. And because of that, everything pointed back to the Lord. They cast lots 
Jonah lost. They realize he's the one responsible. We need to find out more about him. And finding out more about Jonah resulted in them finding out more about the Lord. It was a forced introduction of who Jonah was and who the Lord is as well. The Lord used these moments to point back to him. Verse 10. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? Can you imagine? What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault, that this great storm has come upon you. Think about what that looks like. His avoidance became his testimony. They knew that he was avoiding the Lord and that this is why the storm was happening. And they knew, they knew that Jonah was the one, that the direct correlation was back to the Lord. So finally he took responsibility. And through that responsibility for the first time since the Lord came to Jonah and said, I need you to do this, Jonah showed the sacrifice So the sacrifice and reality hit him at that point. Verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And the man greatly feared the Lord, and they offered to sacrifice to the Lord and make vows to him. The men, knowing Jonah's rebellion and avoidance, still chose to do all that they could do to save him. Think about that. They could have been like, what can we do now? I'll just throw you overboard now. But instead, they rode, and they rode against the storm to save Jonah. Knowing his, knowing his story, knowing his rebellion, they chose to try to save Jonah despite his flaws and his lack of faith. They turned to the Lord and they started praying. Not to their gods, not to the God that they were comfortable with, to the God that they just met, that they understood the Lord's power and they started praying. Jonah in his rebellion and avoidance didn't move. I think in my childhood head, I thought he just jumped overboard. No, they had to throw him off the boat. He did not move. For a man that ran away from the Lord and went the opposite direction, he planted his feet strong and did not move, and they had to throw him off the boat. At that point, the sailor's faith was really bigger than his. Think about that. The Lord used Jonah and his rebellion to connect, to connect to them. Verse 16 says this, At at this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. The sailors' lives were forever changed because of Jonah, because of the wind, because of the way that Jonah's rebellion connected to the Lord. But Jonah's life was also spared. The Lord spared Jonah's life as well because 
Jonah's mission was not complete yet. There's unexpected blessings that happen despite our rebellion and avoidance. So what does this scripture have to do with us today? I really believe, and I've said this before in here, that it's scripture, all scripture, points back to us. We can apply scripture to our lives, even though Jonah and the whale happened long, long, long ago. These scriptures that we heard in Sunday school, these scriptures that we grew up with, uh, these murals that we see everywhere, Jonah and the whale speaks to our lives today. I was in a, a meeting this week And the guy in the meeting uh, that was leading it said this, God means for you to be where you are. God means for you to be where you are. What does that look like for you today? Sitting here, God means for you to be where you are. Why are you here? Why are you here And why do you need to hear the words from Jonah 1 today? It's easy to focus on Jonah in these scriptures. It's easy to to really focus on what we learned when we were children with these scriptures. It's easy to think about the whale. It's easy to blame Jonah and think about how foolish Jonah was, the series of decisions that were made over and over and over again from Jonah. It's easy to look at those things. It's a lot harder to apply this scripture to our lives today. One thing I think we can learn is this. Rebellion is real. Rebellion is real. Now, anybody that has had um, children uh, knows that rebellion is real, especially when they're five. Uh, Man, five-year-old's rebellion, there is nothing like it. It's easy when you think of the word rebellion to think about children because they don't hold anything back and they don't filter anything. Uh, uh, And you wish sometimes that they would, like, hey, we're in the middle of the grocery store. Why are you doing this? Um, Rebellion seems like a childish word, but in all reality, all of us find ourselves in series of rebellion, in moments of rebellion, in seasons of rebellion, where we know the right thing to do. We know the thing that the Lord maybe has asked us to do, and we go the opposite direction. Now, for some of us, that's really big stuff. There's a big decision that I have to make, and instead of going the way the Lord wants me to go, I'm either standing still with my feet planted with the covers over my head deep in the dark dungeon of the ship, or I'm running the other way. Or it's small things as well. Small little tasks that you know what you should do, but you choose to say I'm busy instead. You know what you should do, but you choose not to do it. And it's a small thing that you should do, but you run the other way. Rebellion is is anchored in fear. Fear of the unknown. Rebellion can be anchored in anger. I don't want to because they don't deserve it. Or I don't want to because I don't deserve it. uh, Rebellion is real. And rebellion is large or small. And when God says to go and we say no, we are just like Jonah. I believe that the Lord can speak to us just like the Lord spoke to Jonah, plain and clear. For some of us, it's really hard to discern that voice. 
For some of us, it's through the voices of others. You hear something and you're like, that's what God's calling me to do. But then you choose to say no. You choose to say no. We're all adults. We understand. It's easier for us sometimes maybe to throw the fit, to literally sit down. My son would just sit down in the middle of nowhere, just sit down like, get up, get up. But that's us, right? We know where God calls us to go. And we either sit down and not move or we go the opposite direction. Rebellion is real. Today, I want to ask you this. What is your Nineveh? What is your Nineveh? What does that look like for you? I'll be honest with you. My default is not to to go. (laughs) My default is to stay. My default is to process a little bit. Uh, My default is to really analyze, do I need to go? What's the most efficient way to go? Should I go? Really, all I'm doing is stalling. Because the Lord says, go, go this direction, go and do this. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go. I'm an introvert, which is hard for some people to believe, uh, but I am. I don't people well. I'm so awkward. And um, so if I have an awkward encounter with you, it's me. It is not you, I promise. Uh, I'm just awkward, and that's how I am. Uh, Last Saturday, I went to worship, uh, and I was there, and Pastor Mike was there giving the last message in his series. And so him and I are talking before worship, and uh, family comes uh, walking down, and uh, we both say hello to them, and they go sit down. He goes, do you know them? And I was like, no, I, I don't know them. He's like, so they're new? And I was like, I, I don't know. And he's like, go talk to them in Pastor Mike's voice. And I was like, um, okay, um, but maybe they're not new. Like I'm sitting there processing with Pastor Mike. Uh, maybe they're not new. I don't know. Okay. Uh, and he's like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm really talking with churches about being more hospitable. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and I went and got coffee. And then I sat in that atrium and I lingered when I should have just gone, gone and talked to that family. There are moments in our lives where there's a clear voice telling us what to do. What is your Nineveh? It could just be somebody to say hello and you don't want to. Or it could be something big. Something big that when you heard we're talking about Jonah, when you hear about rebellion, when you think, where is my Nineveh? You're like, oh no. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. We're not going to go there. That's not it. I use the phrase in my head and I pep talk myself a lot of times. Amanda, run towards the fire. Go to the fire. Go into the fire. And that fire, again, could just be an easy conversation with another person. An easy conversation for some, but really hard for me. It's like running into a fire. What is your fire? What is your Nineveh? What do you have to pep talk yourself into doing that you have just put down on that to-do list? That you've said no to? There are big things that we are called to do. Not because God wants us to feel awkward Not because God wants us to really face all these things that's going to be harmful and hurtful to us, but because that is what God calls us to do because there is a bigger plan involved. Your fire could be a blazing mess, and God's calling you to go into the fire. Go to Nineveh. Get in there and do this. Go to them and say this. The thing that you've been avoiding because you're in the very bottom of the darkest part of the ship, get out and go and do this. What are you avoiding? Or who are you avoiding? 
Jonah always makes me think about a student. I was in student ministry uh, for 20 years before I've taken this new position in communications here at the church. And about 10 years ago, uh, we decided at the church I was previously at, maybe 15 years ago now that I think about it, 10 years ago, uh, we uh, decided to uh, partner up with a Methodist children's home. Uh, they had a campus in Waxahachie, and that's where I was serving. And so I went to meetings, and I was like, these students need a church home. We could be their church home. We'll be their youth group, uh, which was a, a fun blending of students who everyone's like, well, they have issues, and, and they're going through some things. I'm like, oh, yeah, but the ones here at our church, perfect. They don't have any issues. They're not Teenagers have issues, uh, all of them. Um, and so combining those groups was such a huge, huge blessing and a huge, huge eye-opening experience for many, many people. Uh, and one of the students I met from the home uh, was just, he, he had my heart. He uh, came to the home because uh, his family no longer had the uh, resources to be able to take care of him and his rebellion. And his rebellion stemmed from the fact that his mom uh, was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and uh, he did not know how to handle it. And so this student's way of handling any kind of stress uh, in his life was literally to run. Uh, I picture him kind of like Forrest Gump, where he just started running, and literally would run away. Run away, uh, he ran away from home several times. Uh, he ran away from the Methodist children's home uh, several times. He would just run, uh, run in the opposite direction instead of facing the truth. So when his mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, they just all kind of made the decision, this is bigger than what this family can do. And so the Methodist Children's Home can be a place where he can uh, learn new tools and new ways of living and being safe in a place while his mom was processing this new diagnosis. I was there uh, the night we were having our Wednesday night youth program. The night that this uh, young man found out that his mom had um, just a very short period of time to live. And the whole time he was running away from the diagnosis, he was running away from the symptoms, he was running away from everything else. When this came upon him, he ran. And he was at my youth program. So he ran away from the church and he ran blocks and blocks and blocks away. And we were catching up to try to find him. And when we did, we just looked at him. And said, what were you doing? Where are you running? And he's like, I don't know. It's just easier to run. Now, I'd like to say, standing here today, that, that he's not running anymore. I don't really know. Uh, Facebook provides a great glimpse of where people are at and what they want to show you. Uh, being Facebook friends with him, I know that he's a father, uh, that he works uh, and has a really good job. Uh, so I pray that the Lord um, is constantly using him and that he does not run away. But he ran, and he ran for a while. And his, when his mom finally passed away, the church, the church that was his new church home, surrounded him at a funeral and loved on him. It's hard. Life is hard. The Saber's rebellion, the student's rebellion, changed my relationship with the Lord. While he was running, I was like, you know what? We all do this. It's just he has the, the capacity just to start running to go the opposite direction, but we all have the inclination to do this. When life gets hard, when diagnoses happen, when we're faced with news that we are not ready to face, we want to run, but the Lord provides. The Lord provides a wind. The Lord provides a whale. The Lord provides in many different ways, and the Lord will use you despite of you. 
The Lord will use you despite of you. This student was used in my life in so many ways despite his rebellious heart. I care for him deeply even now. Even when I had to run (laughs) to find him. The Lord uses you despite of you. The Lord used Jonah despite Jonah. The Lord used Jonah in the sailors' lives to connect with them. Jonah chose the course, but the Lord met him and used him to bless others. The beauty in the words that we find in Jonah comes with a despite our stubbornness, despite the opposite direction that we want to run and we choose to run in all the time, despite our, our plan and our rebellion, the Lord uses us. Whether you like it or not, the Lord uses you. Whether you like it or not, the sailors' lives were forever changed. I saw on social media a little while ago this quote that I really love, and it has stuck with me. It says, today you will help somebody take a step in their faith journey, either forward or backward. Today you will help somebody take a step in their faith journey, either forward or or backward. Where is the Lord calling you? What does that look like to you? Is it an easy conversation that you just don't want to have, or is it a fire, a fire that is raging, that is there, that you've been underneath the boat in the farthest corner away from it for so long going in the other direction that maybe you got to turn around? Acknowledge that that fire is there, but acknowledge that the Lord will use you despite of you in amazing and powerful ways. Today may be the day that you are helping somebody take a step in their faith journey. Or today may be the day that it's calling you, the Lord's calling you to take a a step of faith towards the Lord, the direction you are called to go in, to go, to go with a clear message the Lord has for you. Let's pray. Holy Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for each and every person who is here today who has been called to do something mighty and powerful, Lord, but help us to remember that we are not alone. And that even when we want to run in the opposite direction, you have a path waiting for us and a wind waiting for us to push us in that right direction. Lord, I I pray that you be with all of us and recognize the importance that we have in the lives of others, Lord, to help them take a step forward in their faith journey or despite of us, and all of our wrong missteps, that they take a a step in the wrong direction as well, Lord. Help us to be that light. Help us to be brave. Help us to have courage to go towards the Nineveh that you call us to live in. For your holy name we pray. Amen.